0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to DE Classified, a podcast showcasing the history of destroyer escorts. Each month, a member of USS Slater's education crew will highlight a specific destroyer escort and share the stories of the sailors who served aboard these trim but deadly ships. My name is John Epp, and I'm the curator for the Destroyer Escort Historical Museum. Last summer, Mark Suttle reached out to us, suggesting we produce an episode of our podcast, DE Classified. On USS Janssen DE-396. After exchanging some emails, he relayed a remarkable story of survival and humanity involving Jansen and the German U-boat U-1229. Ralph Jansen was born in Chicago Heights, Illinois on the 28th of January 1915. At the age of 25, He enlisted in the Naval Reserve and was assigned to the destroyer USS Porter DD-356. On the 26th of October 1942, the newly promoted Lieutenant J.G. was killed in a torpedo attack during the Battle of the Santa Cruz Islands. In recognition for his service and sacrifice, the Navy chose to name one of their newest ships after Lieutenant J.G. Janssen. Laid down by the Brown Shipbuilding Company in Houston, Texas, on the 4th of August, 1943, the future USS Jansen was launched only two months later, sponsored by the stepmother of Lieutenant J.G. Jansen, Mrs. Alfred Jansen. Another two months passed, and on the 18th of December, the tin can was placed into commission at the Tennessee Coal and Iron Dock, with Lieutenant Commander Harold E. Cross in command. With only half of her officers having been out to sea, and most of her crew fresh out of boot camp, the Danson Jansen, as she came to be known, completed her sea trials and shakedown crews in Bermuda in February of 1944. At the end of the month, she joined Escort Division 51 and rendezvoused with Task Group 21.11. Formed around the baby flytop USS Bogue, CVE-9 as one of the first hunter-killer groups in the Atlantic, and it wasn't long until she met her first action. On the 9th of March, Jansen made sound contact with U-575. She quickly deployed a pattern of nine depth charges, but no immediate debris was found. Four days later, U-575 was sunk by other elements of the task group. Survivors relayed that though Jansen had failed in damaging their boats, They had been forced to crash dive and would have otherwise been able to fire a clean shot at Bogue. Only days later, Jansen suffered her lone personnel casualty of the war. On the morning of the 15th, Thomas E. Polk, seaman second class, was reported missing. A search of the area failed to find him and he was listed as missing at sea, presumably having fallen overboard unseen and unheard. In May, the Hunter-Killer group was reformed as Task Group 22.2 and found themselves at Casablanca, French Morocco. Planes from the Bogue returned after attacking a sub-contact. Jansen and USS Haverfield DE393 investigated and found blocks of crude rubber and other flotsam from the sunk Japanese submarine I52. Following this, the group returned to New York City and Casco Bay, Maine for refresher training. On the 1st of August, the hunter-killer groups set out for their third war patrol, now as Task Group 22.3. And on the 20th, Jansen and three other destroyer escorts were detached from Bogue to attack a U-boat. By the time they arrived, it had been sunk by aircraft. 42 survivors from U-1229 were found in the water in two large groups of rubber life rafts, lashed together. At 1606, Jansen maneuvered alongside the two groups, and with the aid of cargo nets and lifelines, rescued all 42 from the water by 1620. Despite medical treatment, one of the submariners... Stab's Oberstormman Fritz Rear succumbed due to immersion and shock. He was buried at sea in accordance with the traditions of the Navy and the presence of their senior surviving officer. In the late 1990s, about ten years after his father had passed, Mark went through his father's Navy memorabilia. Among the items were some buttons and insignia from a German uniform, a small piece of beadwork, that contained several swastikas, a small metal comb, German-made multi-purpose pocket knife, and what appeared to be a German military ID or dog tag. On the side of the tag was the word Kriegsmarine, the name of the German Navy from 1935 to 1945, and what he assumed was the wearer's service number. On the other side was a name, Rich Sobata. Mark then set out to learn more about Rich, and through the powers of the internet, got in contact with him. Through numerous letter exchanges, Sobata described his attempts to climb the cargo net onto the Jansen, but due to weakness from blood loss and having only one good arm, he fell back into the water. Mark's father Alvin immediately jumped into the cold Atlantic waters tied a rope around Sobata's upper body and he was brought on board. He credits Alvin with saving his life. Once aboard, he was rushed to the medical officer, who was forced to amputate his arm due to his severe injuries. Somewhere along the journey, Sabata's clothing and personal effects were removed and Alvin took possession, keeping them for the rest of his life. Unbeknownst to Task Group 22.3, U-1229 was close to completing a top-secret mission prior to her discovery and sinking. After the survivors were given medical treatment clothing, and food, the interrogations began. Most of the crew answered questions rather easily, including an interesting fellow by the name of Oscar Mantel. Unlike most of the others, his English was spectacular, thus making him a prime target for intelligence gathering. Through questioning, it was learned that Oscar had never been on a submarine before, and in fact wasn't even a Navy man. He had joined the army early in the war with most of his work revolving around propaganda and espionage. The Abwehr, the German military intelligence service for the Reichswehr and the Wehrmacht. At the time of his capture he was about 40 years old and had been a resident of New York City for 20 years working in the wholesale cosmetic business until he returned to Germany in 1941. His sister remained in New York and owned three beauty shops. After he left the United States, he briefly spent time in Japan, Russia, and one and a half years in Paris, where he was, quote, always laying up with the women. He said he had a lovely time there, with a smile on his face. Other information gathered from him indicated he had no idea what the mission of the submarine was, other than the commanding officer, Corvette and Captain Armin Zink, having been ordered to stay submerged as they approached Nova Scotia due to the dangers of escort vessels. Zink apparently chose to stay on the submarine as it sank rather than be captured. Tal, on the other hand, chose to swim to a life raft after realizing he would be unable to drown himself. His story up until this point does not make sense. and It wasn't until the discovery of a large amount of United States currency that the pieces began to be put together. Oscar Mantel was a spy. At this point in the war, very few U-boats were even able to enter the North Atlantic, let alone land an agent on American soil. Thus the discovery and sinking of U-1229 by aircraft from Bogue and subsequent rescue of its crew by Jansen, meant further espionage efforts in the United States by elements of the German military had been severely damaged. Oscar Mantel was eventually repatriated to Germany in 1947. The remainder of Janssen's Atlantic service was quiet, until April of 1945. Intelligence had been gathered indicating a large-scale U-boat operation was planned, with some U-boats equipped with V-1 rockets to attack coastal cities. And you may ask, who was one of the informants? Well, none other than Oscar Mantel. With this information at hand, Operation Teardrop was commenced after learning of numerous U-boat deployments in March. Two barrier forces were deployed to intercept the incoming advance of U-boats. In total, four escort carriers and 42 destroyer escorts set up picket line. For the next couple of weeks, five U-boats were sent to the ocean bottom, and four others were captured when Germany surrendered. Janssen, had made an attack on U-546 following the sinking of USS Frederick C. Davis, DE-136, but was forced to retire after expending all of her depth charge pistols needed for deep water depth charge attack. With Germany's surrender, also came the end of Danson Jansen's service. Though she was overhauled for Pacific service, she only made it as far as Pearl Harbor before Japan surrendered, she returned to the mainland, ferrying veterans of the Pacific Theater back home. She entered Green Cove Springs, Florida for deactivation in late October of 1945, and was decommissioned on the 12th of April, 1946. She earned one battle star for her World War II service, and shares the Presidential Unit Citation for her role in the Bogue Hunter Killer Group. Thank you for listening to DE Classified. This podcast is brought to you by the Destroyer Escort Historical Museum aboard USS Slater. You can find a transcript of this episode and accompanying photographs at ussslater.org forward slash DE dash classified. My name is John Epp, and I hope you join us next month as we DE Classify USS Tomich.